0: The rejection of the idea that the domestic, i.e. the home, is a woman's zone is so critical. We won't make headway as much as we're calling for as women and now men, if we don't do something quite radical about that actually.
1: You're listening to the Risky Mix Parenthood Diaries. Join us as we explore the lives of working parents in insurance, the
2: highs, the lows, and the laughs in between. I'm Katie. I'm Raj. And I'm Josie. Come learn and be inspired by our guests' stories and let's work together to create an insurance industry that supports working parents the way it should do. And a quick thanks to our series partners, Genesis and the Camelot Network, for their ongoing support and making it possible
1: for us to do what we do.
2: Hello, Josie here. Can you believe we have already arrived at the ninth episode of our 10 part series on Parenthood? And this is a really good one as we are here to talk about spunk. Yep, you heard me correctly. <laughs> Based on an academic study that surveyed over 1300 men, Spunk is a book written by today's guest, Tanisha Melina Durbin, all about modern fatherhood. It gives a brilliant insight into the thoughts, feelings and actions of modern fathers and also provides some really practical tips for families and workplaces alike to address some of the biggest issues facing gender equality in modern society. Now, alongside being an academic, entrepreneur, author, speaker, thought leader and, oh yes, mother of 10 children, um, Danusha also leads a global firm that fixes boardroom strategy and consults on achieving peak performance. And on top of that, she hosts two podcasts, School for Mothers and School for Fathers, and has also written two books on parenthood, Noise and Spunk, which we're here to talk about today. So we are very excited to have her on the podcast and hear what she has to say. Let's dive in.
1: Denisha, welcome to the Risky Mix podcast. We're so, so pleased to have you here today. And we want to chat all about your book, Spunk. And there's so much to cover here, so I kind of want to dive straight into the conversation. So could you start by telling us kind of where the idea for Spunk came from and, yeah, the the, re, the huge amount of research that you, that you undertook that fed into the book? Oh, the impetus for this was
0: um, a couple of things. I have been a senior academic writing and, you know, publishing on a variety of leadership things, but also feminist analysis of women at work. So analysing the workplace, in fact, that's my specialism, really, it's, it's looking at organisational behaviour. So I'm fascinated by you know, how, how the workplace is constructed and what happens within the workplace. Additional to that, I am mother of 10 children, and I've been juggling um, creating, crafting my career as a working woman and mother for ages, uh, forever, it feels like. And I wrote a book on motherhood, motherhood identity in 2021. And literally, as I was sending it off to the publishers, I realised Oh, I know what they're going to say. I just know. <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> I mean, literally, sure enough, within days, I got the editor an email back from the editor to say, "Okay, this is great. Now we need the one on fatherhood." I, I, I also, I, I also have been hosting two podcasts, and one is School for Fathers. So I've been talking with fathers for couple of years now talking with mothers for four years and this is not unusual for me to be speaking about I just hadn't thought I'd write two books in a year that's all I was a bit tired. Very impressive
2: (laughs) especially with 10 children as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah very very impressive so and and the the research findings then did they come primarily from your podcast conversations or were they supplemented or where did the yeah because you you, you've split the book into kind of a number of areas that fathers and society needs to be kind of looking at I suppose and were those themes that come came through quite strongly on the podcast well I was
0: obviously very lucky that I'd spoken to hundreds of men definitely about fatherhood and about what does it mean to be successful and I could feel the themes you know they were already there so when when this crazy idea of, come on, you've got to write another one, came up. I didn't want to do what I had done in my motherhood book, Noise, which was interspersed chapters on with my my memoir. I I couldn't do that, could I? Because I'm not a father. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what the internal experience of being a father is. So I couldn't place my perspective on that. So I immediately knew I'd have to undertake a, a fresh empirical piece of research. So what I did was I combined some of the themes and the words of the men on the podcast. And I picked some of those a bit later, once the themes from the empirical research came out. So uh, I I built a small team, a bit like an academic team. And we went out and we uh, responded. there was more than 1300 men uh, answered the survey. And so that's really where these themes came out. So I had ideas about the themes, but I changed them because men told me what the themes are.
2: And that's more important. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I mean, the fact that so many people responded, that's amazing. And maybe we could zoom in on one of those themes, as you say. I, I've read the book, uh, loved it. I thought it was really well structured. Loved the way it was kind of chunked out and dove into topics and then gave really practical sort of summary takeaways for things to for fathers and not just fathers but others, everyone to think about doing differently. So it was great. And and one of the themes that really stood out for me, in particular when when thinking about not just fatherhood, but also um, how that relates to the workplace and to uh, to women and other people who are sharing in that that workload professionally and in terms of care, was the fathers with spunk share? I mean, maybe you could, for our listeners, kind of summarise what the key uh, finding was from the research that you did that shaped that chapter.
0: So the, the chapters are fathers with spunk and then the last word is a uh... A word like share, care, rise, do, you know, that kind of thing. So this share one is really about the fact that typically fathers are viewed as the assistant. They're not the leader in the parenting role. And whether that's the parenting or whether that's actually the kind of more domestic zone, um, they're kind of lumped together. Actually, there's quite a lot of work on this anyway, that, that men's role may be to be the fun playmate as opposed to the one who does the kind of more day-to-day grind, as women might say, (laughs) you know, the, the actual chores. So really the routine jobs. And I was really, really interested about the concept of what does an involved father do? Also extending involved into engaged, like Is there a difference between engaged and involved? And actually this research shows there is. There really is. Involvement is, well, you're somewhat present. Engaged is, you're in. You know, like you're part of the team. Uh, Yeah, you're contributing in the team. You're not just there on the bench. (laughs) You're actually in it, playing. You can be relied on to do the work. Now, in share, we concentrate on what are men doing? What are they actually doing? What does fatherhood mean for them? And one of the things is that fathers in this research say that they are, and and I must stress, what I'm not saying is that all fathers across the world everywhere, right as we speak, are this. I'm not generalising across all men. And for a start, there's many ethnic and cultural differences within the fatherhood experience. But the themes that came out from these men were that they felt they were equal co-parents. Not even 30% said that they, uh, their partner did more. Right. Now, that's interesting because there are rafts of research that say the complete opposite. Now, this book does not slate men. It's quite the opposite, as you both know. It's not an anti-men book at all i was interested in what's the disparity then what are they actually doing what's their involvement and engagement and so actually fathers see themselves as being equal co-parents when it involves jobs that typically women would do right. so feminized work is in the unpaid domestic zone therefore is seen as i'm being good i'm actually contributing above and beyond what i could do because that's really your zone yeah and so really what we're looking at in this particular chapter is the idea that the domestic zone remains the woman's it just does now a lot of people well what's the problem with that (laughs) you know like okay so what but it has profound impact um, on the workplace actually you know they're not unrelated, not at all, and um, we can come on to that. But there is a huge link between the domestic, how the domestic zone work, is distributed between the genders, and how men and women are coping, navigating, successful within the workplace. So, so yeah, that's that. That's what this deals with. It. and in fact, we get into granularity. Is I wanted to know, you know, do you give the children medicine? do you wash them do you do you change this, their clothes seasonally and it was a surprise to me that unanimously men were so clear fathers were so clear and this wasn't just uk based this survey went across the world men weren't unanimous about what they didn't do and i find that really interesting like the jobs that are still the tasks within parenting that are still not deemed as a job for fathers and and so that's that's the kind of thing that is great for discussion within couples, you know, within family structures, whether you co-parent, live together, whatever. I think it's fascinating.
1: I um I also really loved that chapter and it definitely stood out to me. And it's um I think it's so interesting because I, I first came across the term you use in your book, that this kind of mother um, maternal gatekeeping yes yes so I've come across maternal gatekeeping in the 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 Sheryl Sandberg Lean In book that was the first time I came across it and I thought I god actually I do that I do that all the time and because i think it works both ways that perhaps men see certain jobs as being more women's work but i think yeah. it also works the other way around in that women also see it that way so yes i there were, we had a conversation this weekend where you know john went to kind of do stuff and i was saying it's got to be done this way and it's got to be done like this and you don't do it like this and da, da, da. and he said yeah but i know that katie and I've got it it's absolutely fine and it was absolutely fine but I don't know why in my own head based on nothing had kind of assumed these are the jobs that I can do and I can do them really well and I'm not sure that he can do them very well so we we both I feel like all genders feed into this split of work yeah
0: so ingrained and and actually that's That's really what I'm talking about in the the overall concept of the father-stunter culture because I set set these chapters within the overall culture that we exist in, which is, you know, there's a whole range of ways that this comes into play to make it more difficult for men to step up into the fatherhood actually that they really want to Mm. occupy. They really do. It came out in the research findings that men want fatherhood as a concept to be viewed differently, and they want their lives to be different. They don't actually really like it as it is. But the, the father stunt of culture is all that bullshit that men cannot parent children as well as women. And the idea that, that men just are in themselves children, they're children anyway. So, how could they be responsible <laughs> for raising children? You know, that's such an insult to grown men. And it's holding them back. It's holding our equality, our equity between genders. It's often promulgated by women. We keep it going. You you can't do it as well as me. Give it here. Yeah. It's not
2: malicious. It's ingrained in us. So we have to learn it. You know. absolutely it's that awareness isn't it and I mean one of the things that I thought was really interesting in the book was it was talking about how you know there's been a lot of of change um that's really pushing women to be able to step up in the workplace but but if if we're not also in addressing that balance at home we're kind of encouraging women to do it or giving them the ability to do it all but why should they need to do all in both spheres you know if we're stepping up in one place then perhaps more help is needed so it's it's not just a case of addressing the workplace imbalance but also that imbalance at home as well. Yes,
0: exactly. The rejection of the idea that the domestic, i.e. the home, is a woman's zone is so critical. We won't make headway as much as we're calling for as women and now men, if we don't do something quite radical about that, actually. And that's good. that goes back to really like early, early feminism. It started about housework.
1: Yeah. But it, it
0: quickly went on to the workplace, like, you get some money, you can buy a cleaner. That'll mean you can also have a nanny. That means you can be a working man in a skirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now we've got to rethink this. We've got to, because it's more than mm-hmm. who's going out to work. It's, it's humanising the experience of care for men. It's bringing them in and including men in a fuller experience of being human. You know, men are being hurt with our patriarchal narratives. Mm. They are. They mm. are. Mm
2: and our children. So
0: we've got to do something.
2: That's brilliant. Oh, well, that brings us quite nicely on actually to talk about um, the, the next chapter, Fathers with Spunk Care. Um, I loved in particular, this kind of concept of the care winner. Yeah, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about that, what goes on in that chapter. So
0: I, I was hearing that men were feeling mocked, and
2: I wanted to check that
0: out. And actually, even though just under 30% of men had a lot to say about being ridiculed as men and as fathers. When I looked at that, I realized that's actually quite a lot of men. That's really a lot of men that feel ridiculed. Like 30% of men in a room of 100 men, that's a lot. So uh, I, I wanted to know, what is standing in your way to showing care? Because I had a feeling that it was to do with emotions, to do with displaying and expressing their love, their commitment to the people in their lives because of course they're so embedded men's men's purpose and uh, identity is so firmly squarely to do with work and production and therefore contribution financially if you like that I I wanted to see well have we moved on this how are men feeling about that and actually what I discovered was that they're ridiculed by other men when they show care when they demonstrate, particularly in the workplace, that they don't want to work their asses off, that they don't want to be the man who pretends that he doesn't care about his kids you know, that are ill or whatever, that you know something that's significant on a daily basis. I'm not talking about something really big that everyone will go, oh, gosh, yes, you must leave. I'm talking about on a daily routine basis. They were ridiculed about that if they showed it. And the other thing is, of course, we've already touched on it, women, women around them in their lives, demeaning them, mocking them, whether that's saying that they're not doing it well enough, because of course, they're doing it differently, or whether it's something to do with just being a man, not it not being appropriate to be, I heard the words, a wuss, for instance, or, you know, soft. I mean, all these like, insults about care. So I was looking at the idea of, and and researched on the idea of, ask them, how much of a breadwinner do you feel? Because we know from other research that the breadwinner model of family is a dying model. And what I mean by that is one man earning the, the wage and keeping everybody. It is quite a luxury these days. To do that because of how expensive life is a little I mean, child care my goodness <laughs> you know you'd have to be earning a considerable amount of money to be able to have children in nurseries or nannies or whatever on one salary so we know that the structure of families and who works and who doesn't i mean the majority of women do who are mothers so we came up with the idea of care winner because actually we're keeping the narrative that men are breadwinners, but they're not in reality. The stats show it, they're not. But who are the care winners? are the men who dearly love their families, would love to talk about. They are earning, you know, they're working, as most men do, but they're inhibited to really share and express in, even in their families, their place as a carer. And actually, workplaces have the opportunity to disassemble some of this stuff. For instance, not just on the parental leave, but if we are really assuming that our part-time roles will be filled by women because they have caring responsibilities and that they'd like to pick up their children from school, so we do it from 10 to 2.30, and we're seeing that as a female role, that will be, that will be filled by a woman, and we're really looking for women because, of course, career ambitious people won't be wanting to leave. Well, that's rubbish. That's where we're we're actually colluding and shaping and, and helping us along. We're keeping it going because actually this needs to be open and, and, and encouraged to be men.
1: I think it is really difficult. And I think what makes it really hard is that outward facing, I suppose, from an organisation perspective, they've got the policies in place which make things fairer, that remove gender from the picture, that outwardly they're encouraging their team to, to take these opportunities. And that's absolutely a positive thing. But it's it's these kind of under the surface nuanced, entangled elements that you've that you mentioned that make it really difficult to change those behaviours. I think, you know, having shred parental leave is so important, but our men taking it and there's this thing of, you know, senior role models, men in those positions, if they take it, that encourages more junior men to do it. But but does it actually? Because if you've got more junior individuals, are they worrying about their career progression if they were to take up that opportunity because of these biases that perhaps we hold? So it's mm-hmm. it's really complex. And I think part of the reason I really enjoyed your book was that it breaks that complexity down into these chapters of and, and themes that we should be at least thinking about and it doesn't provide the answers to it because there's no clearly no quick answers to any of these things but it at least gets you thinking and I really like at the end of each chapter you've kind of got a list of actions to take and I, I remember in one of the chapters it was the it was talking about the domestic chores and how as a couple and um, I'm talking man and woman here but of course it could be any any gender mix you know sitting down and going right these are the domestic chores how how often do you do them uh, how often do we both do them and how often do you rarely do them and, and actually it's, it's an activity that my husband and I need to do because I think it's th- things like that in the book will actually help us to change these things that we perhaps don't even realize are there.
0: Yeah, it's practical. It it needs to be practical. It needs to be talked about. And I think so few people actually talk about when they're having children their embedded values about who's going to do what. Mm. I have encountered so many women that thought that they were on the same page, if you like, about, well, it's obvious we'll both be working and we'll pool our money and the childcare will come from the pooled money and only to discover that actually husband felt that until it was his child. So it's fine for other people's children, but actually for my family, you need to be the one that cares for the children. And actually, if you want to work, it needs to come from your money. I mean, Mm -hmm. seriously, it needs to be your money, darling. And I know lots of women like that that have been staggered, totally sideswiped by this. Everything was equal before and then it happens. And that's really the kind of thing that
1: needs to be talked about. Couldn't agree more. I remember... I had a, a coach when I was pregnant and she said do, she said to do this she said have a very frank conversation with your partner and write down how you're going to split things and I said exactly that oh, I don't need to do that we do everything 50 50 it's really no problem and I think the thing that I hadn't really anticipated and it's again something that's come up so much in the series is is the guilt that surrounds things so mm-hmm. if I'm not doing things and my husband's doing things all I feel is guilt because I think I should be doing them. So if it's domestic jobs, I should probably be doing them. If it's me getting to work while he's looking after the baby, well, I'm guilt I feel guilt around that. So it's even if you do manage to get what you think is a 50-50 yeah. split, you've got this mental battle, both of you have, because you're going against what you think is expected of you.
0: Yes, exactly. We we have these taken for granted notions about what it means to be a mother. And one of them is the existence of this intense guilt and how to unhook from that, how to do that, because it's like carrying a a backpack of rocks and expecting Mm. yourself to be energetic and and feeling at peace when you've got this huge, you know, rucksack full of heaviness that because you're not quite performing to the norm.
2: Mm. Absolutely. So, Denisha, we've been asking all of our guests if they could give us a top tip for working parent. You, you are a parent who does a lot of work and also, ha- you know, with 10 children. So, sure, sure, you'll have a nugget of wisdom to share with us.
0: Well, I'm going to repeat something because I could try to be smart on this and, and give you something completely fresh. But you know what? I'm not. I would rather give you something that I so believe will radically overhaul everything. And and that includes the workplace. I believe that those progressive workplaces that are willing to extend into the home, and actually consider the home life of their people. And I'm not talking about, oh, were you a parent? Do you have an elderly person you're looking after, or a pet? I'm not talking about that, Or you know, or, uh, sorry to be so sarcastic about it. But, you know, kind of, they go beyond that. They are actually, they understand that when we begin to revolutionise the domestic zone, and really take this apart, and say, you know what, Men and women need to be equal domestic partners, women and women, men and men, whoever it is, if you're in a partnership, and if you're a single parent as well, if you're, you know, and it's not just about children, it's when when we understand that there's this interlinkage between home and work, it's not just work, we're people, we're whole people, then we're going to have an incredibly motivated Uh, effective happy fulfilled workforce and and to separate them and keep them kind of you know in their own categories hasn't been working so my top tip is to you know for working parents is to actually have those difficult conversations uh look at your domestic tasks I mean obviously I make it easy because it's in the back of the book but it doesn't matter whether you don't get the book It's about what needs to be done in our family to make it run properly, how we want it to, and involve the children. Don't make this a parental thing. Have the children involved. It's about a team. And then the second thing is, even though it's not a working parents tip, it's actually for the workplace for working parents. Facilitate these conversations. Have these conversations. Have people analysing how their homes work revolutionize you know disrupt the status quo
1: brilliant thank you for listening to the parenthood diaries if you like what you heard please rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and hey why not even share this episode with a friend
2: we want to hear from you follow us on linkedin and twitter at risky underscore mix to take part in the upcoming polls and let us know what you thought of this episode let's keep the conversation going And just one more thing. Do you have
1: an amazing tip which will help out fellow working parents? Film a 60 second clip for social media, LinkedIn or Twitter or both, with your response to life of a working parent, your top tip. Use hashtag #ParentLife and don't forget to tag us so we can see all the great advice. I know I'm looking for all the advice I can get right now.